Welcome to Solving the People Puzzle. I'm your host, Francois de Wett, entrepreneur, organizational psychologist, and the founder of Whamly, South Africa's largest provider of one-way video interview software, where we help organizations hire better people faster by reducing the time you spend in interviews. If you would like to find out more about our company, you can visit our website at whamly.io. If not, simply sit back, subscribe to the podcast, and enjoy this journey with me where we aim to solve the people puzzle. All right, good morning, everybody. It is fantastic to be back here with you on our weekly podcast called Solving the People Puzzle, hosted by myself, Francois, presented to you by Whamley. And today, like every single other week, I am so excited to have a dear friend and a wonderful colleague and guest in the studio with us. Nazneen. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Francois. Thank you so much for joining. I am really excited about having this conversation with you and exploring this very interesting and relevant topic. Before we get there, Naz, just an intro again to you and to the audience. So Solving the People Puzzle is a podcast that we bring to the HR and larger community every single week. And the theme and the, the, the point of the podcast is all about giving back value and creating some meaningful insights, um, sharing topics that we believe are relevant, that you are passionate about, so that the HR community and the larger community business owners, entrepreneurs who are listening to this can benefit from it. And so today is exactly the same. We are experiencing candidate experience uh, or employee experience as a topic. But before we jump into that, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, thank you, Francois, for having me on. It's so exciting for me to always chat to you. And in this format, it's something new. So I'm very honored to be a guest on your podcast. Um, I think I started my career many moons ago um, with dreams of being a counseling psychologist. And after a year working in that space, I realized that although I love engaging with people, that wasn't quite the way that I wanted to do it. So my career mm. meandered into psychometrics. I spent a lot of time kind of on the talent side. And then I joined Metropolitan in 2014. And um, I have been here since then. Um, I never imagined that I would be with a company for this long, but I think it is a testament to the organization's culture. It is a testament to the fact that I've had many different roles here. So I came in as a psychometrist, moved into the generalist HR space um, into where I am now, which is the head of organizational effectiveness. So I've seen, I've seen the business change uh, drastically and radically in the last couple of years. Um, I've seen my career take very interesting turns in the last couple of years. So I have a very happy um, kind of bum in the seat at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm, I think, very grateful and privileged to say that I work for an amazing organization um, sure. and I'm doing some amazing work. Sure, sure. And I guess, Naz, if I just listen to that uh, career path or story, there's a couple of things that stand out for me. The first is, you know, started as a as a consultant in the consulting space with assessments, moved over to one corporate, then Metropolitan, been there for eight years, enjoying it, in flow, loving the, and here's the key word, experience, which takes us exactly into our conversation today. Your experience and now in a position that you are responsible for at least contributing to the experience of employees and future employees and current employees. And I believe that's such a relevant topic that I'm not sure we speak, speak about a, a lot or enough. And so just maybe as, as a, an intro to that, uh, Naz, what would your understanding be of employee experience? Because it is a buzzword, 
But if we really make it practical, because that's the whole point of the of the podcast as well, is to bring practical tips and techniques and tools and insights to the audience. I think for me and for us at Metropolitan, the reason we started the conversation around employee experience and ultimately what that means for us is we had a realization. And that is that as businesses, we build for ourselves. We build processes, mm. we build mm. tools, we have legacy systems, and it's about making things easier for us. But then COVID happened and life happened and people changed and what they want changed. And the realization is that the war for talent and all of those things haven't changed, but at the same time, the way businesses build hasn't changed. And so mm. what we did was we started going, instead of looking at, What's in our environment and how do people fit into that? We turned that on its head and we said, what do people want? And so employee sure. experience for us is really saying, how do we get to and understand what our employees want from us? And then how do we build systems and processes that enable that experience? So what do sure. they think? What do they feel? What do they do? when they interact with the different components of our people value chain and based on the answers that we get back to that question, how do we then tailor and customize our processes to give people key moments that matter, that make them go, this is a great place sure. to work. Sure. Um, yes, sure. I could potentially get more money somewhere else, but the way that this organization makes me feel the way that they treat me with the small things and the big things is a key mm. differentiator for me and makes this a place that is meaningful um, and feels like home. Sure. What a contextual definition, one that you would not find in the diary or in the textbook if you're studying, but really a practical explanation of what that means. I want to unpack this. Let's start at the beginning. So you said that something happened. You wanted to change COVID, etc. What do you think, Naz, a businesses or HR department should think about when COVID did not have that effect on them, that they might still be not considering or looking into this conversation. Is this something that one should be doing proactively? And, and, and therefore we look at COVID and what happened and, and we say, well, there's been a lot of bad, but that is also something that's been good from the pandemic is it's kind of woke us up. I think what COVID did was it showed us infinite possibility and it also showed us that people are more agile and adept and ready to change than we think they are. Um, mm. And I think traditionally as HR departments, we are risk averse. As businesses, we are risk averse. And so for years, we've been talking about changing a process or moving something, but it's not the right time. People aren't ready. Mm. And then COVID mm. happened. And whether we were ready or not, we were forced to do certain things like digitize yes. certain processes finally, or make people utilize pieces of technology that we've had access to, but we just weren't quite ready or the process sure. wasn't just quite right yet. And mm. within the blink of an eye, we went from one way of doing things to another way of doing things. And so mm. I think, the one thing that COVID taught us is you don't have to wait for a pandemic in order to change. You have yes. to make a decision about whether it is the right thing for your business, whether it yes. doesn't just serve the business, but it serves an employee's need and what it is that they want. So we shouldn't just implement things because it makes our lives easier, but does it actually mm. make the life of the consumer or the end user easier? And if the answer to that is yes, then it's a no-brainer. And I think yeah. that's where we are as a business. We're going... We have lots of processes and we couldn't get people to use it. 
before COVID. And then COVID happened and suddenly everything was digital. Everything was online. Um, the change management word became a word everybody just used intrinsically because it was just yeah. what needed to happen in order for us to move forward. So I think as businesses, we really need to move away from the the planning to prepare people so much um, and just go with what do they need and how do we how do we articulate that need in a way that makes people pull something from us as opposed to us forcing it on them. Yes, yes, yes. And you know what? I've, I've been really vocal about this and <clears throat> I've had many variations and iterations of the same message. And that message is to HR to say, guys, don't wait. Don't wait for something big or don't wait until there's the problem or, you know, this reactive risk adverse, you know, nature. And, and I mean, we are stereotyping here. Uh, there are mm. phenomenal examples out mm, there of people absolutely. being proactive. But ultimately, you know, the encouraging message again today is don't wait. And I don't want to hammer on COVID, you know, um, hopefully it's past us. But there are beautiful learnings and, and, and things that accelerated the change. Okay, so now... It happened and there was this realization that, and I loved what you said here, we shouldn't just continue to do what we think we want to do. We must ask. And, and that for me is such an outward mindset approach mm. to understanding what do people want? So I would make it very practical, Naz. How did you guys go about asking or figuring out? So we have two very distinct cohorts of employees in our business, a big one and a small one. The smaller one is what we call our indoor staff. So that is all of our professional services. So people who are in marketing, HR, finance, etc. And then we have the biggest cohort of staff, which is sales. And traditionally, with what I've articulated earlier, We've built for the smaller cohort, which is the indoor staff member, because they are accessible. They are generally in head office environments. And so all of our processes, our systems are geared toward this indoor employee. Mm. And not again to harp on COVID, but what that did was it made us realize that it was easy for all of the indoor employees to access some of those services. But it was yes. a lot harder for the broader context and for the biggest part of our organization, because we haven't traditionally built for them. And so I think our mindset this year was to say, how do we go and how do we have conversations with the biggest cohort of our staff and ask them, what is your experience of our human capital value chain? Now, if you think about the value chain, it's massive. So we whittled that down and we said, we cannot touch everything all at once, but let us start yes. at the beginning, which is really around the attraction phase, so the recruitment part as well as the onboarding part. And we asked them very specific questions around that. So we did a little bit of a roadshow. Some of our organizational effectiveness uh, consultants paired up with our human capital business partners and went specifically into some of our more rural areas and held workshops with our employees in sales specifically, both with sales leaders as well as like financial advisors and some of our support staff. And we had that question. What is your experience of our value chain? What are the things that makes your life easier? What are the things that sure. makes your life difficult? What do you think about this? Do you think this is a good process? What are your ideas around what this could look like? And the feedback that we got back is phenomenal. I think the things, again, that we thought people would have a problem with or the things we thought people would love didn't feature. It was other <laughs> things, smaller things that we went, oh, really? And then bigger things that we went, oh, my word, why haven't we thought about that before? 
Um, And ultimately what that piece of work did was it gave us signposts for four very important uh, key pieces or themes that we've identified that as a business we are now taking and we are applying the so what. Now that we know what people think about our process and what the things are that people feel, if you really move the dial on this item, you could really create a magnetizing experience for me. You could make the way that I settle into this organization much easier. You could make the Mm. way that I become productive much easier. You could make Mm. the way that I engage with my leader, connect with my team much easier. And so Mm. our job as a human capital team also isn't to solve all of this ourselves. It is to say who is our partners in business, whether that is our solutions teams, whether that is our IT teams, whether that is our finance teams, to partner with them and say, here's a problem. This is some Mm. of the ideas that we have, but help help us solve it. Um, And I think that is the approach that we've taken and it's worked phenomenally well. Wonderful. I, I want to circle back to one of the comments that you made, and, and, and I hope this is as encouraging to the audience as I'm finding it at the moment, because at times we, we look at these initiatives and we think, how am I going to do this? This seems so hard, or it seems impossible, or the numbers on the, I mean, quickly, what are your volumes? It's thousands of employees, right? We have about 4,000 sales yeah. employees based across the country. So imagine the one-liner, Francois, go and speak to 4,000 people. Oh my word, how? You know, across the country. And so, you know, it is encouraging to hear that having a conversation, go on a roadshow, group or theme people, I, I imagine in areas that are together, run a basic conversation around what should we continue, stop and start doing? And just gather those themes and get them back. Um, so, so well done on that. And I, and I think that's, that's really great. You know, start a conversation. Before we go into those four pillars, Daz, if you can just high level summarize, because I'm reckoning the audience might resonate with us. So without giving anything away or, or stepping over boundaries, what were some of the themes that came back around what was not working? So I think the one thing we are very proud of is how we vest our employees. And essentially that means How do we get you ready to work? How do we enable Mm. you? And Mm. I think one of the biggest themes that came out from that was the way that we vest people. There's a lot of positive things there, but there's a couple of things that are really inhibitors. So one of the biggest themes was around our vesting program, there was some um, feedback that came back there to say, this doesn't really work for us. This doesn't really work for us. Um, If you think about language, for example, our business language is primarily English. But we have individuals sitting across the country, speaking different languages, engaging with customers in that native Mm. tongue. So how do you make vesting someone, which is a component, which is training, accessible to someone whose language isn't necessarily English? So that is just one example where we go, of course, that's intuitive, right? Someone's English might be the business language, but it might be someone's second or third language. But all of our systems are in English. All of our processes are in English. So something we need to think about is how do we tailor that? Perhaps it's not everything across the value chain, but again, what are the moments where making something accessible in a different language would actually be a moment that matters for that person and enables them? So that was one of the first things. Um, One of the other things was around um, our leadership uh, layer. 
So how do we enable them in very specific ways? There was things around our onboarding component. There was things around the recruitment component there in how leaders can actually be enabled to assist and support um, junior staff when they come in. Um, there were some things around our recruitment process, very basic things um, that was missing the mark where we also went like, wow, that, that, that sounds so intuitive. It's a small change to make, but our, our feedback from our, our employees is saying that will make a massive um, kind of impact to how I experience you. Um, and then I think there was one other one also around um, just pay and remuneration and the understanding of how that model works. Um, so that people also know coming into the business, like most people want to know, how, what am I going to earn? How am I going to earn that? And how do I pull on different levers to make sure that I can maximize my earnings? So again, for us, it was to say, oh, we thought we had all of these things in place, but maybe the mode and the method that it is delivered is potentially the problem as well as the content or not the content, but some of the other things. So that's kind of the four big things that we've identified, awesome. which is um, awesome. things that we have now gone back to our partnering teams to say, help us solve for this. Awesome. I'm listening to you and I'm, and I'm thinking by myself that the moment any shared services team is only focusing on one context. And this happens when you have a head office and there's staff all around the country. It's easy to understand what the people on the ground here around me think, want, need. I interact with them regularly. There's rapport that we build from a relationship perspective. But then when you go outside, there's just this whole new world of context. And then I listen to you and the feedback is practical touch points in the life cycle, in the value chain. Absolutely. And, and sometimes we think we need to solve these massive, complex things, but maybe it's just the way you train me. Or it is the certainty around how do I get paid and how can I earn more? Where do yeah. I find the resources to feel confident to execute on the requirements of my job? That's fantastic. And, and, and now partnering back with these partners in the business, did you guys, obviously it's a big organization, you said you can't do everything all in once. Did you build a priority roadmap around this and now you're executing it in stages? You know what has been, I think, so brilliant about the mentality in metropolitan life is that everybody has a service orientation. So mm. the minute we went to our finance business partners, for example, and we had a conversation and we said, we've done this work. This is some of the themes that's come back. People are saying to us, I don't quite understand this remuneration thing. How do I make it more practical? They win. Let us help you build a tool to do that. We as human capital don't have the expertise to do that, but they do. And within a very short space of time, they came back and they said, this is some of our thinking. Help us refine it. Today, I'm having this conversation with you and there's a parallel conversation happening in business at the moment where our finance teams is busy training some of our leaders on the very sure. tool that the work we sure. did had inspired. So okay. I think there's always priorities, yes. But I think the wonderful thing is that everybody knows that in order for our business to be successful, we have to enable the biggest population inside of our business, and that is our sales force. So when we partner with solutions, when we partner with IT, that mentality is, okay, if we make this small change, it's going to impact the biggest part of our business. So how do we yes. help you prioritize that. And I think we're very lucky that some of the things that have come out from the work that we've done, some of them are bigger than others and will take a little bit longer to solve. But none of it is the type of thing that's a two to three year roadmap. It's kind of like okay. one year, one and a half years. And I think what's encouraging about that, and I think what I want to leave people with also is to move the dial. You don't have to tackle the biggest things first. 
You can sure. literally go and take a few small things, tweak that, or introduce something that doesn't exist if you listen to what people want and it can make a massive difference to how people experience not only your brand, your business, but also the human capital environment. Sure. I, uh, I can't agree with you more and, and I'm hoping also that the audience is hearing that it's, it's one or two small things, but it's, 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 it's also we hear you. We, go, we went on this roadshow because this happens a lot, right? We, we go on a roadshow and we gather feedback or we send out a survey and we gather feedback or we sit in a feedback session on a one-on-one. And, but then there's this promise that we will now action something. And then at times, you know, it doesn't happen. That's where we get stuck and, you know, maybe in the theory or in the models or in the process or in the planning and we actually don't execute on it. So the fact that then there is execution and there is communication back to the audience to say, we heard you, we are doing this, or it's going to take eight months, six months, 12 months, however long, but this is the progress. And just continuing that rapport and that conversation back to the audience, I, I guess is as important, right? Absolutely. And I think that's something that we have learned to do well as a human capital team. Every single year we go into a quarterly business review as a human capital team. It is not a mandated concept by the business. It is something that our leader um, has started where we essentially play back to the business what you told us and what we have sure. done to meet that need. And we do that every year in November just before everybody goes off um, on leave to say to the business, we hear you, and this is yeah. what we are doing to enable you around the feedback that you've given us. And I think if teams can do that, it goes a long way to show that human capital is more than just how we sometimes feel a dumping ground for all sorts of things, but actually it is a strategic business partner that listens mm. to the mm. um, community that we service and we give them solutions to problems that we haven't necessarily thought of ourselves, but that we've partnered with business in order to make a reality. I love that. And, you know, this circles back to the comment we made earlier around, and it's been a larger conversation for many years, how does human capital take back the seat around the table, if I can use that uh, articulated one-liner that people love to use? And, and sometimes, or part of the answer is, I deliver on what I said, and I give you feedback. With that, there's accountability back to me. Yes. And if we don't create that moment, and by the way, good luck because the end of November is around the corner. If we don't do that, you know, it's easy for me to then hide behind the admin or, you know, whatever I'm, I'm busy with. So, so well done on doing that. I want us to land the plane as when someone is sitting, listening now going, yes, employee experience. I want that to be a strategic initiative for me into the next year or, or you know, whenever what would your advice be around where do I start? So I think circling back to what I started out saying is that the employee value chain is vast. There is a mm. lot there. Everything mm. from how you recruit people, how you onboard them, performance management, your value proposition, benefits, all sorts of things. I think as a human capital team, pick one or two pieces in your value chain and, and yes. ask yourself, what are we trying to solve for? For us, it was how do we vest people appropriately and how do we get them up to um, settling in and performing as soon as possible. And that landed us in the first two kind of steps of our value chain, which is how do we attract people 
Um, how do we attract the right type of person? And then how do we settle them, onboard them, induct them, give them the right type of support? So uh, having an EX conversation or an experience conversation across the value chain, it's too vast. There's, you're going to get no traction on anything. I think really think about what it is you're trying to solve for, whether it's something that is either um, affecting all of your employees or a very important segment or cohort thereof that you're wanting to focus in on. It might be IT teams specifically. It might be scarce or critical talent. If that is the, 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 the question you have, I would then suggest start there and then have engagements with those employees around those specific things you're trying to unpack. Um, going big and asking people everything about everything um, is not going to be very helpful and could end up making you feel quite overwhelmed. Um, I also yeah. just want to say, Francois, just to close the loop on accountability for human capital teams, if I may say, um, a year ago, a year ago, we introduced Whamley into our business and we went into our quarterly review last year in November, promising the business um, and giving them a peek into what Whamley could do for us. So it was, we've listened to you. You are saying interviewing takes too much time. We, we can't find all of the time in our diaries. How do you help us? And we came to you and, and we had a conversation and we went back to our quarterly business review and we said last year, we hear you. This is a tool that we've identified. We are now putting it into the ecosystem and let's see what it done for, does for us. And I am exceptionally proud to say that on the 29th of November, we are going into our quarterly business review again. And we are now going to tell the business how much Whamley has saved us in the last financial year. So I think that is a very practical example of we heard the business a year ago, we introduced something, and we are now going to give them feedback on not only the experience of the tool, but also what it's actually practically saved the business from a return on investment perspective. Amazing. Naz, I want to thank you. On behalf of Whamley and the audience for your wisdom, your insight, your practical approach to employee experience. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Um, we are excited to see this conversation grow. Thank you for being on the podcast and we will chat soon. Thank you so much for having me, Francois. I look forward to listening back to this one as well as listening to all the ones that will come in the future. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode on Solving the People Puzzle. We are going to continue to interview phenomenal individuals from the industry. And if you don't want to miss out, hit the subscribe button, as well as share this with friends, colleagues, and family members who you believe can benefit from this content, helping individuals and organizations solve the people puzzle. If you would like to know more about Whamley, please visit our website at whamley.io or simply email hello at whamley.io. Until next week, ciao.